Welcome to the Body Mind Spirit Show with me, your host, Coach Rita Hurry. Welcome to the Body Mind Spirit Show with me, your host, Coach Rita Hurry. Hey everyone, welcome to the Body Mind Spirit Show with me, your host, Rita Hurry. Today, I have not one, but two special guests. Yes, two special guests. I have Dr. Sensei Koshin Pillay Ellison, which I hope I pronounced his name correctly, who is a Jungian psychotherapist and author, and Sensei Chodo Robert Campbell, who is the vice president and guiding teacher at the New York Zen Center. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. A pleasure to meet you, Rita. Great you to too. Be here. Thank you. And I hope I've said your names correctly. If I haven't, I do apologize. Close enough. Good enough. Okay. So <laughs> just double checking. Is it Koshin and Chodo? Is that right? Or yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So to begin with, I loved to know people's journeys. So can you tell me about your personal journeys to where you are now and what inspired you both to take this path? Mm. So I would say that, I mean, just because of where we are today, I, I come from a generations of my grandparents and their parents were all actually impacted by pogroms in Eastern Europe and when people were going in and just uh, killing Jews and um, it was a terrible time. And so they came to the United States to have a place of safety. And so I come from that. And so that, as is very common with people who are forced to leave wherever they live, you know, that there is a lot of trauma in that, in those situations, as well as a lot of resilience and a lot of courage because they trusted themselves to realize that the situation there was unsafe. And many people in our family felt that they were crazy, you know, like, it's not gonna get that bad here. Those things won't happen here. And, and of course we know that they do. And so, I feel like in many ways that story is a story that has propelled me to be where I am today and really reflecting on what does it mean to be courageous in the face of a life and everyone's ordinary life is filled with uncertainty and things that we wish didn't happen. And so the path that I'm on now is really a path of learning how to really drop down into ah, being really grounded right now in the moment and being soft and open and upright so that I can face whatever the difficulty or the joy is with compassion and wisdom. And, you know, that's an easy thing to say, but it's a of course, a lifetime to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm from Birmingham, actually, um, just north of London. Um, 
So I left home and uh, I don't know, but when I was 16, I left home. I came from a very, very chaotic household, um, alcoholism, violence, and it led me to a path of drugs and alcohol. And um, in which went to New York, for a, I figured it was a great, great place to be at that time, which it was as an addict. Um, and I got sober and clean 35 years ago. And I found my Buddhist path. I was searching for something, uh, a spiritual life, rather than a, a life of a drum. And um, I found a spiritual path in this in the in the Buddhism, and it's really impacted my life. It's uh, it's given me the opportunity to serve others, uh, whether they're dying or they're grieved, grieving. Um, just been a wonderful, 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 wonderful experience for me to, to be out of Birmingham. I'm sure it's a lovely place, but um, uh, that was over 40 years ago, 30, 35 years ago, 35 years ago. So um, here I am in New York City having a wonderful time. Sometimes not so wonderful, but a great, 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 great life I'm having here. Wow, that's that's truly beautiful. <laughs> in terms of um, just your journey there, was it someone that actually reached out to you to help you um, take the path to Buddhism or was it something that you felt actually this, you've come across a literature and you're like, yeah, I actually want to find out how this can help me. Were you feeling that you, you were ready to open yourself up to transformation then? I was training as a psychoanalyst uh, and every week coming from supervision, I would see this lady walking you know, towards me. She was going to my um, analyst office and she was, there's something just very beautiful about her. She was, uh, you know, very, she was maybe five foot two, with bright piercing blue eyes. And uh, one week I said to my supervisor, I said, you know, who is that lady that I see whenever I leave here every Thursday? And she said, why don't you introduce yourself to her? And I said, well, I feel a little bit awkward. You know, she has uh, she has cancer. She said, why do you think she has cancer? I said, well, she has no hair. And my supervisor looked at me and she said, she has no hair because she's a Buddhist monk. <laughs> so the, the next week I, um, I, I walked towards her and I said, excuse me, do you, know if, do you mind if I introduce, introduce myself to you? And she said, no, go ahead. I said, well, my name is Robert. And um, I'm from Birmingham, England, and uh, I've been clean and sober now as an alcoholic and an addict. Become, no, just as I said earlier, I come from this very chaotic, violent uh, home in, in England, and uh, I don't know what to do with myself. And she said, well, I know what to do with you. I said, what's that? She said, you need to shut up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I said, what does that mean? And she said, where are you right now? I said, I'm right here with you. She mm -hmm. said, exactly. This is where you are right now. Everything else, everything you're telling me is a story. It's true, yes, but it's all in the past. Here you are right now in the present. What can you do? And I said, I don't know. And she said, well, I have a, a meditation place, a Zendo, here in New York. And why don't you come and meditate with me? I said, I've never done that before. She said, that's okay, come. So I went to her Zendo and I sat on a, she said, sit on the cushion and don't move. I said, well, I've never meditated. She said, that's okay. Just sit on the cushion and don't move. And she left me in the, in the Zen or in the hall. 
And I started to cry because everything that was happening, everything that happened just came bubbling to the surface. And she came back an hour later and she said, how are you doing? And I said, I can't speak. She said, great, I'll be back in two hours. And there's this outpouring of um, reality. Yes, this did happen to me. And no, it's not happening to me right now. This is my new journey. It's on this spiritual path. And that's pretty much how I got to be a Buddhist priest. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. So tell us more about the New York Zen Center and the classes you offer and the people you help through the center. Yeah, so we are a community that educates people and cares for people and connects. So we do that through our education programs, including our Foundations in Contemplative Care training, which is a nine-month training program for anyone who's interested in integrating what they say they value and what they're actually doing with their life. And we've had people from across the world um, do this training and it's quite powerful and deep. And so it's also hybrid. So people can do it from, we've had people from the Middle East and from South America and Asia and all over Europe, of course, um, do yeah. this. And also we have a fellowship in contemplative medicine for physicians and nurse practitioners and physician assistants, which is a similar uh, training, but really geared for that group where they are suffering in unprecedented ways, as we know, the highest rates of suicide, the highest rates of divorce and drug and alcoholism, and also Globally, it is thought to be that like one third of physicians are thinking about leaving the profession because they're just so drained. And so we're looking to provide medicine for them. And how do we do that? Loving <laughs> and teaching. Yeah. Yeah. So it's through a year long training, um, very immersive. And, uh, and then we also have, you know, daily Zen practice. So for this is like our place of connection. And when we realize that the it, our life is not just about us, but how do we find and actually nurture compassion and wisdom? And the third thing that we do is care. So we have, which Chodo really um, leads, is our bereavement program, um, which is supporting people after and sometimes during great loss. And so he runs these eight beautiful eight-week cycles. Um, and again, those folks are from all over the world and who come to those amazing groups and we also do some one-on-one -on -one, uh, direct care work with people with serious illness and spiritual challenge mm -hmm. yeah Beautiful. it's kind of amazing yeah i love the way that it brings in the practical with the spiritual essence because um you know, like we mentioned before, obviously recording the show about, you know, it's often left out, isn't it? The spiritual practices and how that can balance everything together. And, and a lot of people, especially nowadays, a lot more people are stressed and are very focused on what's externally there and, and you know, what they can provide. It's like they forget that the the spiritual practice can actually help them and, and give them that that sustenance that they need and I love the fact that you have a center that almost kind of brings both together which is so important isn't it yeah. 
Yes. So important. Beautiful. Okay, so Sensei Koshin, can you share a little bit about your book, Untangled, and why you felt this was the right time to publish it? Yeah, so, you know, we work with a lot of people who are suffering, and a friend of ours who's a doctor said, well, you know, didn't the historical Buddha like put out this prescription for like how to deal with suffering? And I said, yeah, of course. And he said, well, why don't you share about that? And so I felt very propelled by that um, generosity of, and the teaching that he's referring to is called, often called the Four Noble Truths. And so the, and the nobilities of our suffering what causes us to suffer and how we change and what is a path. And many of us, I think, want to kind of jump to, like we're feeling terrible and we want to kind of jump to feeling good. And so like, well, let's just jump on a path. And I think the Buddha's wisdom is, and what, it, you know, and the Buddha was just a person like you or I was not a god or a saint or anything. It was just an ordinary person. But to really start with honoring our own struggle and our own entanglement as not something wrong with us, but actually often it is the quality that actually propels us to do good if we can actually stay with it long enough and to look at how, wow, you know, greed and delusion of mostly of separateness and our resentments are actually what cause us to stay in that suffering you know he was just you know so smart <laughs> and so the book is really about these four nobilities and how and as a teacher and as a person I really felt that it was really important in the writing of it to really get clear about how do I also share my own and so I learned a lot about what does it mean to suffer? And I really saw things about my family of origin and also my historical family that, you know, these stories that we are inheriting and the ways that we, you know, even feel is often not just our own. And so really looking at how our epigenetics and which just means like things that are passed down through our genetic stream, you know, really impact our life directly. And, and if we don't know about it, it's, it stays a bit of a mystery. So it was very powerful for me to really look at my own life and the life of my family but also alongside just like how in the book, I talk a lot about the people that I've had the privilege of working with as a Zen teacher and as someone who cares for people. So just like, you know, in the grocery store line and, you know, one of my favorite stories was just watching this man and woman at the grocery store. The man was like screaming at this cashier in the grocery store and, you know, and I just made up this whole story about like, oh, how terrible the man was. And so I got to the, you know, the checkout and, you know, her name's Angela, someone I know. 
And I said, you know, I'm so sorry about that. She's like, no, she's like, I did a terrible thing. And he's so angry because I made him angry. And so it's just like, like these moments, right? Where we're, if we're open to it, we start to realize like, my goodness, we're just making up stories about this aggressive man, as opposed to like, wow, I wonder what's happening there. And so the book is really filled with stories like that of our ordinary life, about how we, you know, how we change. And to me, those moments are moments of change. And how do we walk this path where we are really thinking about our actions and how we're paying attention and doing new things? Yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing that comes to mind when you're saying that <clears throat> to me is our perception of certain situations. And like you said, excuse me, <clears throat> but how we can make up that story of, okay, we see a situation and we see our perception of it, but we don't know what's really going on until like you had the opportunity to speak to um, the lady and find mm. out exactly what was the current situation and, and why the argument took place. Mm -hmm. And we, we just do that out of habit, don't we? We're just like, yep, this is what we've seen. This is what we presume. And then unfortunately judgments and everything is, is made up from that. So definitely how, I mean, we've possibly touched on this a little in um, talking about the book. <clears throat> Excuse me. My voice is going funny. <clears throat> but how does someone move through suffering, anxiety and fear by applying these Buddhist techniques in our daily life? Wow. I think it's really, uh, as Koshin was saying, it's really looking at these four noble truths. You know, in life there's suffering. We're all suffering. How do we learn to accept what is what is happening in our lives you know it's not to say that we're going to like it it's not to say that oh well this i mean for instance it's just like right now the war that's happening in the middle east you know it's like i can't do anything about it myself I was, you know maybe send money away uh, sign petitions but how do i accept the brutality the craziness that's going on over there mm -hmm. and take it on as like yeah this is happening this is suffering throughout the world. And I'm suffering because this is happening. So for my practice, it's sitting on my cushion, meditating, saying, yeah, this is suffering. How do I deal with this? With one breath at a time. Accepting what is and moving from the suffering, my own personal suffering, into the, if you like, the suffering of the world to be able to hold both my own suffering and the suffering that's happening in the world and meditate on that. Some people would say we pray on that. We pray for the, those people in Israel and Gaza. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like, yeah, being, being with both sides. How do I see both sides of the coin? You know, there are perpetrators in Gaza and perpetrators in Israel. How do I hold both of those situations? Mm -hmm. So how do I move from uh, resentment, anger, uh, punishing, pointing fingers, sitting on my cushion. And it's a, it's a practice. Yeah. This is, this is it. This is what's happening right now. Yeah. Moving towards freedom. 
of mine from my own suffering. I can't hold on to it. You know, that will uh, paralyze me. I have to be able to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because meditation has so much power. You know, um, I'm someone who transformed my life through meditation, through just sitting still and releasing, releasing my anxieties, releasing my um, insecurities and just connecting to that inner strength and that inner openness and it allowed me to be humble it allowed me to be vulnerable mm. but in a strong way you know it's okay to be vulnerable and like meditation you know sometimes I've got clients who cry in meditation because it opens it releases and to me that's where the healing and the empowerment comes from meditation. Mm -hmm. So I, I do love, you know, what you've said there, like, uh, again, uh, many of us think, okay, you know, we have to take an action step first mm -hmm. and, and, and do something, but to be able to, you know, come and sit on your meditation cushion and just be is so powerful, even in spite of suffering, which is, Oh, a very hard concept for many to, to say isn't it well really in the midst of our life like learning mm -hmm. how to do that and you know Chodo and I have this practice actually that we for me it's really wonderful where we if one of us is feeling triggered or something like that we in moments we can actually ask each other like what's the story you're telling yourself right now and you know I actually talk quite a bit about this in the book too just about the how do you practice doing something new and so there's a story that you know where I was in the kitchen and and for some reason I felt the urgency to get into the fridge <laughs> and Chota was in front of the fridge and somehow it just like I became a beast you know and in just a split second. And so like those are the moments where we can actually, in our ordinary life, look at like, what am I doing right now? What's the story right now? And the story I was telling myself was like, it suddenly it was like life or death getting into the fridge. I mean, it's just so crazy. And so I think that, and so normal. And the story I'm telling myself is that he's pushing me out of the way because he's more important, his diet is more important than mine, and and I get all caught up in like this is uh, this is this is the way people who have no um, regard for anyone else's food or appetite or needs treat me, and it's like I was like I can't believe you're doing this, I can't believe you're doing it. I mean, all my spiritual practice went out the window. All my meditation went out exactly. The window. And he said, "What is what is the story you're telling yourself right now?" I said, you have no regard for me. You have no idea what I'm going through trying to get food out of the fridge. You know, coming from a, a, a childhood where there wasn't enough food. And so it all comes back. Yeah. That's, that's just the story you're telling yourself. The actual story is I was being rude and I needed to get in the fridge before you. That's all it is. And I was like, oh. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a great, it's a great, um, it's a great piece to remember. What's the story you're telling yourself mm -hmm. now? Yeah. You believe me, I can't believe you're gonna do that. It's like, no, it's not that at all. Well, there's two sides. Yeah, that at least yes. two sides. Yeah, that 
that is such a powerful tool and it's something so simple mm -hmm. it brings to mind and this is something i share a lot but mm -hmm. it brings to mind that power of self-awareness right right so can we just talk i feel like we're being guided to talk about that because obviously you know this is coming up how important is building self-awareness in daily life i usually tell my students that it's like the critical 0.0001 you know like we can't unlock the door without being aware but and yet most people kind of hang out in their awareness like oh yeah i know i'm afraid or i know that i'm insecure or i know i'm a jerk or whatever that is but we can hang out in that and to me what and i think for us what's the most important you know as the buddha taught like that our actions are our true belongings not what we think or aware of so what are we doing what are we doing and so to me it's like self-awareness so important and like just the beginning mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Of adventure. And mm. are, you, are you aware not only of your own actions, but how you're impacting others? Exactly. Because sometimes we take action and without regard to how it might land to the other person. Mm -hmm. Because we're mm -hmm. totally aware of what our, mm -hmm. you know, our actions mm -hmm. are the responses that people are going to uh, receive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the example you gave in terms of the food in the fridge, it's like there were two awarenesses there that needed to be spoken for you both to be like okay now I understand where you're coming from and you understand where I'm coming from right. so communication is key there for sure yeah. but we all just need to take a breath yeah <laughs> exactly and, and chill out it's like what am I doing right now yeah like right mm. I was gonna say something then, but I'm being a right something. <laughs> sure. All right. All right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, how do we summon the energy for change and transformation in our daily life? I feel we've we've kind of covered this, but I just want to get this point across because a lot of people, like we mentioned, they will stay in that awareness of, um, say, for example. I lack confidence and I know I can never be a professional speaker. So that's just a, a basic example there. But, you know, they, we so easily give up on change and transformation because of that fear of change. So how can we summon that energy up, especially in daily life? I don't let you speak on this one, but I just want to say that we actually don't know anything for sure. So when we say, I'm never going to be a professional speaker, I'm never going to be a professional at, uh, athlete we're already putting the lid on the box so to be able to say i don't know rather than i know i won't do i don't know or i have this belief that i'm limited in these ways yeah we don't know if it's really true but up in, or maybe up until this point i've felt limited mm. or up until this moment i have felt that you know, I'm inadequate, but how about now? You know, so I think that one of the practices that we have is just like really watching how we speak and how we 
work with our mind and also just really realizing like not prophesizing mm. like we don't know what the future holds actually no one does as far yeah. as i know and so the beauty i like to actually often say like well perhaps that will happen <laughs> you know like i love the word perhaps so much because especially after like a real certain thing like oh this is gonna be terrible perhaps or this is gonna be wonderful perhaps like we don't know we don't know but we can what is beautiful and inspiring is that we can foster conditions that support uh, nourishing compassion and wisdom we can support conditions that will and discipline to actually be more loving Mm. learning how to pause and learning how to like look at his face you know or to you know whatever that is you know just so that we can get out of our own way yeah. and really learn a 360 awareness so that we're actually not just in our little head and that is so important it's so easy to get stuck in your head mm. and think all these crazy thoughts mm. and like we said you just need to Breathe, release. <laughs> Definitely. So I like to ask my guests to leave one final golden nugget that the listeners and viewers can take away. I know we've obviously we've we've shared a lot of golden nuggets, but just that mm. one golden nugget to end the show that you have, either from both of you as a, um, together or separately, would be great. What's your golden nugget? <laughs> you. <laughs> um, I think it's to, to see all beings as equal until it's proven differently. I think we can see each and every person as, wow, that's just someone doing the best that they can. Or maybe that's someone who's not doing the best they can. But to be able to see, in Buddhism, we say, when we separate, we see, when I see you as other, when I see you as not me, when I see you as something different, you know, your, your color, your race, your gender, it creates a separation. So I'm othering you. Mm -hmm. so I think my golden nugget would be to see everyone as me. You're not separate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Uh, but your golden nugget. You, oh, yeah, and that. Uh, okay. Um, I'm gold, you'll see. <laughs> rude. Um, rude. So, I would say my golden nugget, or just something that actually just I really care about, is really learning how to just set down what I think and what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And it's like literally, like, just set it down, you know. I don't believe in this whole like letting it go or shedding thing, but like just to set it down and see what else is true. Mm. Like, what would it be like just for a moment, just to ah, uh, just like literally set down what I think about everything, what I feel about everything, my opinions, and just set it down and see what happens. Yes. Allow yourself to have a fresh moment. Yeah. Mm. That's so true. It's almost like it's turning the page, isn't it? And looking at it from a, a fresh page. And it's like, mm -hmm. let's start from here. Mm -hmm. I love that. Beautiful, beautiful golden nuggets. 
So where can our viewers and listeners go to find out more about yourselves and the center? Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram at Coaching Paley Ellison and uh, Chodo Robert Campbell on Instagram, as well as the New York Zen Center. And Zencare. So that was the Instagram. Zencare.org. Okay, and you can also go on the website as Chodo's jumping to. Um, <laughs> The, our website is zencare.org, and also you can find our books, uh, Untangled, Walking the Eightfold Path to Clarity, Courage, and Compassion, anywhere books are sold, audio, uh, and also actual books. And anywhere books are sold, as well as um, my other book, which is called Wholehearted, Slow Down, Help Out, and Wake Up. So just... Those are also both available on audio and digital and actual books. So, and, and sorry, reminded to also say we have another book that is really beautiful. It's called Awake at the Bedside Contemplative Teachings on Palliative and End of Life Care, which is an anthology of really beautiful writings for people who are facing the inevitable. And that also is available anywhere books are sold. Excellent, love it. And I do understand you are taking a trip to London very soon, is that correct? Yeah, we'll be teaching there on the, I think it's the last week of February and beginning of March. Yeah. Brilliant, excellent. So definitely mm -hmm. keep, so keep me informed of that and I'll definitely yeah, share no. that with with the audience yeah and our schedule for teaching which is getting firmed up will be on our website as well as zencare.org yeah. we'll be teaching St. Christopher's Hospice and Trinity House so mm -hmm. we're doing yeah. a, a whole module based teaching for hospice workers so mm -hmm. that's great well Sensei Koshin and Chodo it's been a pleasure speaking to you both thank you so you much for all the wisdom and you've definitely um i one thing that keeps ticking over in my head is what's the story that you're telling yourself right yeah. now that's that's definitely that. one of my biggest takeaways for sure <laughs> as with everything else but thanks again for being such amazing guests mm. and i look forward to connecting with you again sometime in the future so, we will see you in london Rita. we never know yeah. Yeah, definitely. That'd be great. So thank you. Thank you so much. Be well. Okay, everyone. Well, that's it for another show. Take care, stay safe, and I'll see you real soon. Bye. the show stay tuned for more motivation and inspiration coming real soon and if you'd like further information on the services i provide or you'd like to contact me visit ritahurry.com or 
me at info at ritahurry.com. Until next time, take care. enjoyed the show. Stay tuned for more tips, motivation and of course inspiration coming up real soon. If you want to email me and send me messages of what you thought of the show or anything you'd love me to cover on the show, please email me at coachrita at swastialiving.com. Swastia Living is S-W-A-S-T-H-Y-A-L-I-V-I-N-G dot com. See you real soon. Bye.